A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Big Interview Q&A show for January, I'm Martin Gregg and with me today are Graham Hunter, host of the Big Interview and our guest for these shows, La Liga TV's Pete Jensen. We have questions as always from our socios who support this podcast at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. We want to say a big welcome to three new socios, Daniel Cheney, John Campbell, James Cosgrove. This show goes out to you guys, thanks for joining up. Boys, given that the transfer window is counting down as we speak, I thought we'd start with something relevant to that. This is a question from Joe on Twitter, who says, Why do most Premier League clubs seem reluctant to buy La Liga talent? I watched Alex Moreno in August at Betis v Elche, and it was obvious he would be a top signing for any Premier League outfit. At the price Villa paid, what a signing. So Joe's obviously referring to Villa's signing of Alex Moreno from Betis earlier this month for just over thirteen million, I believe. Um, Graham, I don't know. Maybe you could talk a little bit about Moreno, um, but also maybe whether you agree that there is a reluctance um, by English clubs to to shop in in the Spanish market. Well, the, the answer, Joe, is yes, no. I have always enjoyed watching Moreno play. I didn't really catch up with him properly until he was at Rio. And at Betis, I um, I, did, I initially didn't enjoy um, his conversion to wing back. Yeah, he, he always had that capacity full back. I just thought that one of the problems was that he was completely unconditioned mentally to what he should be doing positionally. Now, clearly, for the last season and a half, maybe two, certainly under Pellegrini, he's changed. He's changed dramatically. He, he became far less regularly in positions whereby I think most particularly he'd either pushed forward at the wrong time or failed to track back quickly enough. But he was also somebody who wasn't conditioned to looking across the line if either um, as a left-back or a wing-back, uh, as a full-back or a wing-back, he was um, supposed to be either wary of a striker's movement or, or they were playing a high offside line. And it's taken an enormous amount of teaching for him to now become a much more complete player. I think he's turned 30 and the gifts are obvious, Joe. I think neither uh, Pete nor Martin and I need to go because you were impressed when you saw him playing. But the gifts have always been there, whether he was playing as a winger or a defender, because he's technically, he's he's got a lovely... A delivery of the ball, he's he's gifted in terms of 
um, attacking vision, and he's he's pretty quick. So it's it's um, it, it's been a voyage of discovery for me across the latter two thirds of his career, and um, particularly once he was converted to that position, and I. St- Still wonder. No, one of the things that will make him a success in the Premier League is that he's working for a coach who really understands how to make players aware of their not just their defensive responsibilities, but their positional responsibility vis-à-vis the guy who's inside them, outside them, in front of them, behind them. I've watched um, Unai Emery's training, and and uh, by the way, uh, um, at Villa, they're they're stunned. But it's it's funny to keep you know preaching this gospel, but. Um, the work ethic, for example, the intensity of work ethic. We, we, we talk about the Premier League as a really intense league because of what we watch on the pitch. But Unai Emery has brought a completely new work culture to Aston Villa whereby he and his team are in at seven and, and are there at least till seven or eight. There's a regular spurge of 12-hour days during which the intensity of work, not just for the players, for everybody, is is raising eyebrows in a positive way, and therefore Moreno is going to be he's going to continue the education that Pellegrini has has gifted him, and I suppose it's it's sad that he's only become complete at a later stage in his career because the the ability was always there, and the the answer Joe about I, I take a completely different view to you. I hate the way that La Liga is constantly plundered by the Premier League. And if, if the fundament of your question is, is the Premier League still pound for pound compared to the resources they have, the money they have, st- and, and, the, and the influx of uh, advanced continental thinking that has been transfused into England at, at every level, whether it's recuperation, director of football, coaching, playing, there, there's been an utter transformation of the English Premier League in the last four or five years six years even maybe 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 even longer which is to its great advancement but nonetheless I still think that there are flaws in the scouting across the large majority of the teams and I'd far rather they shot a lot less in La Liga yeah, the real the real gift for Villa fans with um, with Moreno is that he's been, as Graham says, under Pellegrini for the last couple of seasons. Because if you go back a little bit, he was a defensive liability. People forget with Pellegrini because his teams play such attractive football. They forget that he was a centre back, Pellegrini, a long, 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 long time ago, and um, so he he has that sort of defensive mindset, and he he makes players but into better defenders, and he's certainly done that with Alex Moreno. And Emery obviously will build on that, and Emery will be in his zero. It probably has been in his zero um, with the proximity on the pitch, the fullback, and the technical area. It's, it's uh, <laughs> it, it can't be easy with with Emery, but you get the benefits because of because he's such a such a brilliant coach. Joe, it's not the view here at all that the Premier League doesn't look to Spain, um, and there's fear in every transfer window that, it, as Graham said, it's going to be absolutely plundered. And I think I think Villa wanted a winger as well. I don't know whether you've you've since bought one, but I know there was a lot of interest in Luis Enrique, who's having an incredible season at Betis. There was there was an offer, I think, for Nico Williams, and in the end, he didn't want to leave. So you know, there's there's real fear that you know the Premier League can just come in. And also, what catches the eye here is that it's clubs often towards the the tail end of the Premier League who come in and and can take players and managers away from clubs who are who are fighting for European football at the top end of the Spanish league. So it's grim here, and um, everyone's 
breathes a sigh of relief when the window shuts and will do this this week. Here's another question on uh, another La Liga export from Socio Robert Ryan. He says, Casemiro, what a difference he's made to United. Some doubted the signing, but I write this post-Reading match where he scored two. He says, fair dues to Real Madrid. Perhaps they felt he'd done everything he could at the club and would let him go to a new challenge. But are they missing him? So, Graham, this is an interesting one because you actually recorded an episode uh, on Casemiro when he first signed for United and I think we're planning to go back and maybe do a, a follow-up recording ahead of the uh, United-Barca Europa League tie next month. But it's quite an interesting from the Madrid side of it. You know, obviously, 0-0 draw last night with Real Sociedad, so they're now five points behind Barcelona in La Liga. What Has his absence been keenly felt, Do you do you think? My point when we recorded that and when Pete and I were asked repeatedly on radio or on La Liga television, my point was overall, my suspicion was that Real Madrid might might be costed the league because of his absence. And that has to be you know, explained by ripples in the pond in that it's not simply when you're a club with the, the riches of squad that Real Madrid have and the quality of coach and the, the attitude... It's not one player going that caused me to suggest that they, it, it, it was going to be a handicap, massive handicap for them. It was the fact that he specifically allowed Cross and Modric to play in different ways, to exaggerate or, or highlight the things they do best, and he, you know, elastoplasted the, the things that they didn't necessarily do very well. He's both extremely intelligent and extremely cynical. He was, particularly in England, majorly underestimated factor in in this winning mentality that Roma did have. That was probably in 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 my lifetime, or certainly in my the the, the lifetime of my memory of Spanish football. As as much as Real Madrid is the the club of remontadas, the fight backs, and the the Juanito spirit, I, I don't. I genuinely don't believe that in Real Madrid's modern history, possibly ever, there were there were three such extreme uh, fight backs as the ones against Paris Saint Germain's second leg, um, particularly the City game um, at home, and it's not a fight back, but Chelsea away was was a magnificent performance. I think in the in the in the times when you know they they weren't being pushed around by Chelsea, which is the top and tail of the game. And then the you know the the latter half of the of the Chelsea game when it looked like they were out and 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 they were being pummeled and they should have gone out. Casemiro was utterly central to all that, and it's because you can talk about positioning and you can talk about stats and you can talk about passes and goals to to transmit what a man or a woman in female football like that gives to your day to day. To, to encapsulate that and convince people about that because it, it it can just sound like adjectives and there are people in our profession, I think, who who misuse the, the, the key adjectives about um, attitude, professionalism, hunger, um, street smarts, drive and Casemiro is, is exemplary. One of the key things I said... And the massive disappointment I had was just was personal, was selfish because every I used the phrase that every game, every single game watching Casemiro was an education. 
And as much as I'm thrilled for him that he's doing well, and as much as I was wrong that he he wouldn't be able to make a a telling impact in in a Manchester United side, which I, I thought was adrift. It's it's pleasing to see that that was wide of the mark now because the overall uh, momentum of the club's daily work has changed, not only since Cristiano was booted out, but while Ecting Hag was winning the battle for the for the for who was in charge on a daily basis. So Casemiro to me, uh, Roberto, is just a fascinating player who's lit up. People speak for himself, but I'm going to say our time in Spain, and bloody hell, I, I still miss him, and I wish he was playing anywhere in this league. I don't care. Yeah, I miss him too, and we all, all of us that work here, and were asked to comment or write about him when he when he made the move. Did point out that you know that you're not signing a clogger, you're not signing just someone who's just going to mind sweep in front of the defence. He's he's extremely talented football and he'll get goals and he'll play final balls that that help United and no one's surprised here that he's been successful. In terms of it being the reason why Real Madrid might not win the league, I, I, I don't think it is. I think the reason why Madrid are five points shy at the moment and why they might not um, catch Barcelona is they don't have a substitute number nine. They were crying out last night to bring on a number nine and play Benzema off the nine with Rodrigo one side, Vinicius the other side to go and get the late goal, and 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 it's it's um, it's criminal neglect in terms of their squad building that they've allowed Mariano to just hang around in the background and and he can't be used, he can't be played, and they do not have someone who can, you know, play the play the play the odd game to rest Benzema and also come on with twenty minutes left and play in front of him and just give them something different. I think that's what they're missing more than than the the Casemiro position, even without even with Chalmany injured at the moment, but um, but yeah, no one's surprised, um, and I'm pleased that Casemiro's enjoying himself and 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 you know having that career in the Premier League. He could he could have easily just seen out his time at Real Madrid, um, and um, I'd like to see him win something at United. I'd, I'd be pleased, and like Graham, I miss him. Here's just a quick one before the break from Joe again on Twitter. He says, I'm interested about the role of Nacho at Real Madrid and how high up he ranks on the most underrated elite players in football. Uh, yet again, he was brought in to start right right back due to injuries at San Mames. And he did what Nacho always does, a quality, reliable, committed performance. Um, so maybe, Pete, you could take this one on. Do you, think, do you see Nacho as a bit of an unsung hero? Well, in the spirit of Casemiro, actually, last night, he uh, escaped a, a red card. He stuck his hand in front of a throw-in and it had already been booked. And he admitted after the game, you know, I really, uh, I don't know why I did that exactly, but uh, I'm, I'm pleased to have got away with it. Um, yeah, he is hugely underrated. Um, they, they, the expensive defenders come in and, and they play ahead of him. And, but in the end, sooner or later, they always have to rely on Nacho. I think, I'm trying to think that there was a season, a couple of seasons ago, they won the league and Nacho got the only goal of the game via the league. That's the kind of thing he does. And, you know, if, if it does go to the wire this season and, you know, and Madrid do win it with a single goal, you know, it might go in off Nacho's backside. You know, he's, he's reliable in that sense. Um, but he's also a very, very good footballer. We've said this before that, 
that you know he's he's played at international level as a fullback. He he can um, do the things that an attacking fullback can do, as well as being as Ancelotti always calls him, his pessimistic defender, always thinking the worst is going to happen and always being ready for it. Uh, he's a great player for them to have, and they'd be mad not to give him some sort of deal that's going to keep him happy and keep him at the club at the end of the season. Martin, he unites. This this is no longer a Liga or a Real Madrid question. He unites football. Because everybody who's ever supported a club, whether it's an amateur, semi-pro or pro level, knows the player who you're like, yeah, we count on him. He's our man. He, it's as if I was playing out there. He, he carries all our hopes and dreams. He, he's, a, he's aggressive. He's always fit. He absolutely loves the badge. So, you know, it's, it's a happy coincidence that he's come through the, what they call the fabric of the factory, the youth system. And he was once a Mirlo. Um, look, look, look at those wonderful white um, birds is, is, is effectively what Mirlo means but you talk about the guy who bleeds for the shirt who's, for whom the badge means everything and the, the modern game is, is eradicating people like that so long live Nacho Okay, it's time for a break we'll be back in a moment with a couple more questions to complete part one of this month's Q&A Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. And we're back with a question from Socio Andy Cochran. Andy says, what are the odds of Barca winning the league this season? Surely this current run is unsustainable. Now, we do have another question from Socio Tom Lee on Barca, which looks ahead to the Europa League tie, but we're going to cover that in next month's Q&A. Just to say, Barca are now five points clear, kind of getting the job done. Last three results have been 1-0 wins. Graham, I think just before we started recording, I caught a a quick exchange (laughs) I had with Pete, where you sounded like far from convinced about Barca's current form, so maybe you you can kick us off here. Yeah, but there's a couple of ways to look at Andy's question. You're right in that, you know, Pete was um, on a commentary for Barca playing at Girona and what, you know, people have started calling a a derby match. I think it's not, but there you go. Two Catalan sides. Um, What uh, what I thought at the weekend was that Barcelona looked very flat and, and predictable 
and while Girona excelled and they played their part in the equation, one in terms of Oriol Romeo was an absolute tower. Um, two, every man in uh, Michel's team believed that they could contain Barcelona. Three, the the it's it's unusual for Xavi to to say this, but he said we were caught out by by the the their playing idea, and therefore the tactical niceties that Girona introduced with a week's free, you know, to train and to plan and to to get right, they'd used well, and and therefore undoubtedly credit to them. But in terms of facing a team. Uh, like that, who's we have to be blunt about it? Whose resources are, you know, significantly different to Barcelona. Even if Barcelona are being outthought or contained or hustled, you look for ingenuity. You look for patterns of play. You look for wit, and you look for superior talent to come through in terms of the mentality of this is how we unpick them. And not a lot of that was was available. And when the goal goes in, Ansu's ball to Alba and Alba's cross is really nice. It forces the Argentina Gazinega to, to make up an uncomfortable save, which um, which allows Pedri to score. Fine. But the the Andy's point about he used a, a word there that's the that's the key unsustainable, because you know across the season you talked about the the last few results being one nils. But if you go back to Valencia, if you go back to Mallorca, 1-0 wins there, nothing nothing against Rayo in the first game of the match. Um, a couple of single goal wins um, that, aren't, that weren't 1-0. They continuously look as if they're going to concede and then they don't. I think they're at, I don't know how many goals they're at now in the league. Is it seven maybe? And that they've conceded six. Um Still only six. Six goals conceded. There won't be a leading team anywhere across Europe that's conceded that few. And in my view, it should be, you know, maybe not 26, but, you know, they should be up around 18, 19 goals conceded on on chances missed, on big saves from Ter Stegen, given last-minute interceptions, particularly by Arojo. Um, and they're... What have they conceded in the other two competitions? You know, it's 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 veering towards two goals a game conceded in the in the other two competitions, and therefore um, it's unsustainable that they keep on pulling out one 0 results. I think because there will be a moment when a rival cracks them and confidence drops, where other rivals go tuck chances away, like a ripple effect. In terms of winning La Liga, it, there's so little to choose between the leading two, and it's a it's a two way race because I don't think there's a contender that that has the squad or the goals to to take the title away from either Madrid or Barcelona this season. Although La Real have proven this this week that they're getting closer and closer with eleven men out. Um, they merited a draw against Real Madrid last night, if if not necessarily on sheer chances. The the quality of their play and losing one 0 with ten men at camp now in the cup and then drawing nil 0 at Madrid this week should make everybody associated with Real Sociedad really really proud. So Andy said unsustainable. I agree that throughout this season and when and when Manchester United come calling, I think that can be a little jar of cold water on them. But might they win the league? And it's not just because of the five-point gap. There's a 
there's a ferocity and a remorselessness about the squad attitude that is is just above where Real Madrid are at the moment and therefore they might win it Andy but boy the way they're playing needs an upgrade they need to play the brand of football they did in the Supercopa against Real Madrid I think it is sustainable um, I think it's sustainable because Ter Stegen's having his probably his best season since he's been at the club um, and he's a major reason why by the way why it's it's six goals conceded because uh, particularly earlier in the season defensively they weren't great and they were conceding a lot of chances and he was keeping them out um, I was on comes with um, Andrea Orlandi um, on Saturday and he said that uh, Ronald Araujo is the best in the world uh, in terms of one-to-one defending. Um, and I think he might, have, uh, he might have a point there. So if Araujo stays fit as well, I think that's another major thing in their favour. Um, Pedri's 100th game um, against Girona and he got his 15th goal. Um, and I looked up how many Andres Iniesta, I know these comparisons are daft, but you know, he, obviously we all see something of Iniesta in Pedri. And I looked up how many goals Iniesta had scored in his first 100 games, five. And um, Pedri's really adding goals to his game and, and, and starting to look like someone who, who the further forward he plays and the, the, the closer he is off a front man, the, 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 the more fantastic player he's, he's going to be and become. I think it's hugely impressive that they miss Robert Lewandowski for three games and they win those three games. OK, so they win each one 1-0. I think they're, they're showing a, a character and an ability to scrap that wasn't, wasn't there before and they showed it again against Jonah at the weekend. Jonah, by the way, I've got a couple of players who wouldn't go and miss in the Barcelona squad. Romeo Graham mentioned and also Arnau Martinez. I think they both get uh, plenty of minutes at, at where they at the where they at Barca. But um, I think as things stand, um, I think Barca are favourites and I think they can, they can maintain this. I think this is how teams win leagues, isn't it? It's not how Barca normally win leagues, but if they're going to do it, I wouldn't say the Atletico Madrid way, but uh, yeah, 1-0 to Barcelona. Okay, the next question is from Socio Chris Hennigan. Hi, Graham and Pete. I would be really interested for your thoughts on the current crop of young up-and-coming Spanish managers in La Liga. The job Arasati is doing at Osasuna seems to fly under the radar, while Iraola may be more lauded given the administrative mess that is Rayo Vallecano off the field. His brand of heavy metal football can be a joy to behold. Finally, many were surprised when Diego Martinez pitched up at Espanyol and although they languish at the bottom half of the table, you can at least see some of the ideas he's trying to implement in the football he wants to play. Personally, I'd rather they stayed in La Liga, but do you see any of the above moving to the more celebrated clubs in Spain or overseas in the near future? So that's a really good question from from Chris. Um, Obviously, three name check there. Do you think we're looking at a batch maybe of young Spanish managers here that are going to go on to, to, to greater things? I think we can go on Nigella Lawson here, can't we? Because it's about slow cooking. Um, one of the things in this country is that there's a there's a deep, deep-rooted culture and has been for a long time about how you train coaches and what type of people want to become coaches. Coaching in the community, coaching women's football, coaching youth football. It's regarded right across the country as a laudable, important thing to do to coach, to teach, rather than to coach, to teach in order to become a superstar and earn millions. Now, clearly, many of the people that are involved in the elite uh, game want to go on the coach to, to earn high salaries, to win trophies, 
but there, but it for for the longest time there's been a vast uh, number of coaches more in Spain across professional football than for example in the UK where Chris is and that leads to a culture that leads to refinement of ideas that leads to much more openness of uh, sharing of ideas the the language culture here is allows access to France and Italy and South America much more easily for a far longer time people here were growing up watching the influence of Italian or South American players or coaches in this country and therefore I think that while English football in particular and in some years in our lives Scottish football were you know was very successful in European terms gradually they were overtaken and I I think you know, it's been a long stew, the fact that you can so regularly see tactically excellent coaches in Spain who are also very good at demonstrating and coaching. There are far fewer managers in Spain. The concept of somebody who came in and was a was a sergeant major or a or a, or a you know, Brian Clough style guru leader, um it, it wasn't unknown, but it, it it just wasn't a central part of the, the, you know, the way in which Britain for a long time struggled to get rid of in football, in elite football, the the either the the army concept, the sergeant major concept. You will just do what you're told. Don't bother thinking about it, or the public school culture about you know, here is the hierarchy, and you'll again you'll do exactly as you're told, and therefore footballers in Spain grew up slow cooking analogy. You know, stewing in a lot of ideas, a lot of discussions about why they were taught a lot rather than ordered. So, you know, I think for years you you get people of you know acuity like Unai or Rafa Benitez or or Monchi in his role that are that are you know different from the types of talent that come through in the UK, which have been exceptional and who have excelled. But who generally are 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 discernibly different, and um, Chris talked about three there. I don't know. I'll, I'll nick one and Pete can nick two. But um, for my taste, who were the three? Arasati, Diego Martinez, and Iraola. Well, let's let's go to Arasati. Arasati is interesting because at Real Sociedad, it, because he had you know he was a school teacher, and because he. Hadn't really had any elite experience. He had hauled himself up by the bootstraps, in terms of he had to exist purely on his coaching know-how. You sneered that, and he didn't last long enough. Having come through the, you know, the the academy coaching system at La Real, he, he even in this culture, there was a a refute. There was a ah, just a teacher. A, a phrase that gets used a lot around. The Scottish Football Association and the SFA coaching badges, but even though he he showed and flared at Real Sociedad, when you saw what he was doing, I, I was lucky enough for a combination of reasons to see quite a lot of his matches at Numancia, and it was you just you know, look at the way he's absolutely made this team into his image, 
the quality of football they play, irrespective of having, you know, a turnover of 15 players in and 17 players out in, in, in a summertime, um, was evident preparation for what he's doing at Osasuna, where he's got a board that adore him, a, a, a smart ex-footballer, director of football in, in Braulio, whereby time and time again they've said, we're, we're, it's not that there's been real hardship under Arasati's coaching, but they've said, we are in this to, to build, we are in this for the long term, for development, we like your ideas, we trust in you. Now, there have been a couple of bumpy moments, but nothing that would make you say, well, it's miraculous that they didn't sack him, none of that. But they, they, they've been such a rarity in football terms. They've said to him, here is the project. Here is how we'll resource you. This is what you, we want you to do with youth football, which again, it has, it has been prodigious at Osasuna, I think. And that it's helped him that he had an experience in that at Subieta Real Sociedad. And he, I, I don't think he's destined to become, become one of these coaches who, who gets plucked and takes over one of the grand sides and everybody goes, yeah, all along we knew he was fit for this Champions League team. But I think that when a club like Osasuna, or maybe then themselves, has more money, has a better squad, he's a guy who could e- he's easily tactically good enough uh, to be able to, to take a, a Spanish side to the heights in the Europa League. And, and I hope it's Osasuna. But I think that whatever happens to him in the next stage of his career, that it's not a combination of of he's at a brilliant era at club and the, and the players are world class. He's been the the potent element, which has helped Osasuna play better, sign better, promote better from the youth, and have a really clear playing identity. Which another benefit is totally in tune with what the local support want to see. Yeah, to pick up on on the other two, uh, if I was uh, José Ángel Sánchez, who um, presumably is still the kingmaker at Real Madrid, I would be in Florentino Pérez here telling him that uh, Andoni Arola should be on the list to to replace Carlo Ancelotti. Um, be that at the end of this season or whenever, it probably will be the end of this season. Um, I think he's fantastic. I think we... We all expected him maybe to go at the end of last season because, you know, what more could they do? How much further could they push it on? They weren't really going to be able to strengthen too much in the summer. Um, He stayed on. They're just as good to watch this season. Um, It's not just good football. They they get results as well. Flirting around the European places is a a minor miracle when you think of the resources and the the incompetence that actually run the club. so uh, I think he, he's going to go very, very far and, and hopefully that, that, that will be in Spain and if not, it'll be elsewhere. Um, I really rate Diego Martinez. I think he's, there will be patience with him at Espanyol because I think there's enough football now there to know that they've got a very, very good manager, maybe a better manager than in terms of where they are as a club that they perhaps deserve. If that's, that's probably not the right word. Um, so I think they'll stick with him and I think he'll get that right. Um, and, you know, he also, I think, is destined for, for greater things. The timing was off with Sevilla. If he'd just hang on, he probably would have got the Sevilla job when Julian Lopetegui left. Um, um, and just to back up what, what Graham says about Arasati, he's done a fantastic job. But I do think it's the ecosystem there. I think it's Braulio. I think it's the patience of the club. I think two seasons ago when they had a run of 12 without a win and they stuck with him. Um, he's very much of that that sort of environment. 
Um, but I think you could take the other two out of their current environments and they would um, tear up the trees wherever they go. So I think they're big things to be can be expected of both those managers. OK, this is uh, Socio Aaron Duckling says, Hi G and Pete, thanks as always for all you do. A lot has been made of La Liga's approach to enforcing financial prudence on its clubs and the impact on retention and attraction of talent. As this seems set to stay, how do you think clubs will or should react? Ongoing trust and investment in youth or more targeted scouting and recruitment from low-cost markets? For example, similar to the influx of Japanese talent into the Scottish Premier League. Is there an opportunity there for some clubs to navigate this better than others and establish themselves? So, again, a really quite an interesting question here from 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 Aaron. Um, the requirement for greater financial prudence is it clever scouting? Is it youth development? Is it a bit of both? And who's going to be the the, the kind of beneficiaries, if you like? First of all, Aaron, thanks for so much friendship and loyalty. Nice to hear from you again. Thanks to all of you who've been listening to us for so long and prompting us, helping us with questions to interview guests and, and to this Q&A. I think that just because Javier Tebas and La Liga with a financial fair play seem completely out of step with the rest of Europe, it doesn't mean that they're wrong. Um, for as long as I can remember... Many Spanish football clubs have been teetering on the brink of financial collapse. I, I think you have to be a forensic accountant in order to be absolutely crystal clear that the methods applied right now are going to be successful, are are correctly calibrated, because I think that's one of the, the central points about, OK, a mechanism, a braking system in order to prevent clubs um, spending their way out of trouble and the football trouble and then finding themselves in deep financial trouble. I think there's a general acceptance, not just in Spain, but across European football, that some harness structure like that is intelligent. It's about calibrating it and, and what's fair, what's workable, what's sustainable and what will allow uh, a check and balance, but also allow nutrition for football to, to, to be competitive in Europe and enter, entertaining to its to its punters. At, at, at the moment, I, I genuinely believe, Aaron, that we're, we're watching and learning about FFP. It's never been more dominant than, than right now. And you see a, a cohesion with Martin, who asked us about transfers. I think it was Joe. And, and Aaron, you know that that dovetails in that we we look at, at Villarreal feeling that they had to get rid of uh, Nico Jackson and Arno Danjuma. Danjuma for slightly separate reasons, but Moreno out at Betis. It's about book balancing. It's about ability to recontract players you want to renew, whose contracts you want to renew. It's about the pre- preparation for the summertime and who they want to sign. And therefore, La Liga being plundered will inevitably continue or gather speed the, the greater degree to which FFP impacts but is FFP the problem there or has it been the club's overspending so th- there's your there's your you know if the light if you close the fridge door does the light go out or not there's your you know just chew away at that one as long as you want to but the answer is yes having lived inside a fridge when as a student when I was a little short of cash I can assure you it does and 
when we get on to trees falling in the forest, that's a whole episode, whole episode. Um, but uh, in terms of my, my absolute wish is that more and more teams um, promote their youth. We've seen a, a real outbreak of it at the moment. It will not be a blanket tactic because, you know, at clubs like, for example, Real Madrid, where they believe, and there's been substantial proof over my lifetime, that they have to have superstars, which doesn't seem to be a bad way to progress. And Atleti, for as long as they've got Cholo Simeone, for example, it's not really about youth. But I think in almost every other club, um, it, it will increasingly it, it, it be so. And in terms of your point about investing in markets that are lesser known, I, I like the way in which Brighton have now data-driven, overtaken the, the traditional brilliance of of Spain in, in searching in lesser-known South American markets. I think that's a wake-up call. So a ba- I mean, it, might be, it might not be what you wanted to hear, Aaron, but I think a balanced approach across 98% of the clubs in La Liga between better, more accurate, more data-driven scouting, which <laughs> mimics the way that um, Brentford, to a degree, but certainly Brighton, have have excelled, absolutely excelled. There's, there's players right across... Um, Brighton squad right now that never mind whether in fact they wouldn't you know the big clubs in England would have spotted them first because that's just not the case who should be in La Liga who should judging on the balance of what the three of us have learned here Aaron over over our involvement with La Liga you know you should have seen Matomi you should have seen Alexis you should have seen Caicedo coming through in La Liga first but they didn't because La Liga's clubs are now being beaten so I think your point is good the greater acuity of, of where they're going and why they're si- signing players will in Spain will be a result of FFP. Yeah, there's a, there's an easy way for Spain to to get to get beyond this financial disadvantages that they have with the Premier League, and that's around Madrid and Barcelona to to open the doors to foreign investors and and stop being um, uh, stop being uh, fan owned clubs. And but we don't want that. Uh, I think one of the great things about La Liga is that it hasn't sold its soul in the way that other um, leagues have done. And it's great to see the last four in the Spanish Cup and I think the draws this morning are all other other four fan owned um, clubs in Spain. Um, we have to just get on with it. There is a financial disadvantage. The Premier League will come in and, and, and will pick players off. By the way, I think Jackson, I think there was a late U-turn, uh, Graham. And um, as we speak, he's, he's, he's stayed. I mean, if he does go to the Premier League, please, whatever team signs him, please, you know, um, give, him a, give him a song based on the Johnny Cash uh, Jackson song. There isn't the, the, the wit to do that here, or, or, or maybe it's in fairness, uh, they, they're probably not aware of that particular Johnny Cash number. But... Um, <laughs> Oh, we've been talking about Jackson ever since the hams, ever since the hamstring popped. I'm go. I'm not going with Jackson. <laughs> exactly that sort of thing, Graham. There is one thing I I, I wish um, clubs would do a little bit better, and that's get a season or two out of the brilliant young player before you sell him. Um, and I don't know what's going to happen with Fresnader. Is he gone yet, Graham? Or is he still at Via the Lid as we're recording this? The last I heard is that terms have been agreed with his agent with two clubs which I think uh, one is Dortmund, I think the other one is in England, 
but nobody's made Valladolid convinced enough that the, that this well excellent looking young fullback should go. So I mean, Fresneda's played about ten games, um, and it would just be nice to see him have a couple of good seasons at Valladolid, um, and then you know, then then obviously the, then 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 cash in on him. And I think the same. I remember the same happening with Ferran Torres at Valencia. And no wonder that the Valencia fans are are fed up with so many different things. But I think one of them is the fact that these players leave and they they don't even get a decent couple of seasons out of them. So I think that is something that that could be improved. But. Um, I agree with Graham that just because La Liga are the only league, is the only league at the moment with the, with this strict FFP, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're in the wrong. I think they're in the right. Okay, here's just a quick fire one to finish part one of this month's Q and A. Um, Joe on Twitter: How does Vinicius not place top three in the Ballon d'Or 2022? He says if Mbappe had achieved what Vinicius had across last season, from his goals and assists to secure the title win to his heroics in the Champions League. What is it that stops him getting the praise he deserves? He's criminally underappreciated. And I'll just throw in Terry Hassett on Twitter as well, who says, is there any possibility that players like Vinicius will decide they've had enough moronic abuse and look for a move? So kind of two aspects to Vinicius here, criminally underappreciated, and I guess Terry's asking, you know, will he, will he be hounded out of Spain ultimately? Look, I'll dive in and I'll say, could I have seen a situation where it was Vinicius in the top three instead of Sadio Mane? Yes. He was eighth. I think that the the top ten doesn't look too bad with Benzema, Mane, De Bruyne, Lewandowski, Mohamed Salah, Mbappé, Courtois, Vinicius, Luka Modric and Erling Haaland. Um, I think the theme that's been mentioned there is, is true that Vinicius was initially under-analysed, under-appreciated. He became a bit of a whipping boy. I think at the moment he's unquestionably in the horns of a dilemma because he's, he's, he's misbehaving. He's having his the football version of his terrible twos. Um, he hasn't got the Casemiro balance right about how to be devious and get away with it, yet... It's also true that the treatment of him in the pitch, and I and I go back to two games against Mallorca where I thought it was criminal, but the treatment on the pitch is that everybody is looking to provoke him, everybody's looking to trip him. He's the, he's the most foul. So before this round of games, I don't know the stats, he was the most fouled player in Europe's top five leagues. That will that will bring a reaction, and you know above all, you know without any exception, the the racist abuse that we know he gets and the racist abuse that he keeps saying he gets, which is the stuff that we can't always be aware of, um, is criminal, is on the rise. And whether that would ever for Terry force him out of Real Madrid is such a hypothetical question because he's very, very happy there. They need footballers like him. I think they'll fight to, to, to make sure that he's happy there. And, and, and how do you eradicate, you know, the, the abuse of outright morons? Yeah, he was sensational last night. I mean, there, there are about seven or eight players on the pitch who were sensational. It was an incredible game last night. Um, I think and I hope that the, the mannequin that hung, was hung off the bridge before the derby and the cup is a sort of tipping point and 
and it kind of opened eyes, opened people's eyes to the fact that, you know, this is going too far and it is not, because there's still, there, there are still some people of the opinion in Spain that oh, this is just banter, you know. It's, and I think that maybe woke, uh, I hope it, it woke more people up to the fact that this is, 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 is way beyond that. And I think it could. I think if it was, if it was allowed to go on uh, unchecked and if he felt that he wasn't getting the support from the club and from his teammates, which at certain times in this season has, has been the case, that he hasn't been backed up by his, by his teammates on the pitch when certain incidents have happened and also by the club when certain things have been said. Uh, I think he might think, you know, maybe that this is more trouble than it's worth and I would be better protected in another league. And in turn, that hopefully will contribute to, to Spain waking up to the fact that, you know, it has to take a, a, a tougher stand. And he himself, I think, the statement he made after the mannequin and the, off the bridge um, disgrace in, in, mid, in last midweek, was that yeah a lot of people are saying it's terrible but I want action I want things I want things to actually be done and people to be punished and that obviously is 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 what needs to happen Okay that's it for part 1 of this month's Q&A we'll be back tomorrow with more from Pete and Graham thank you to the socios who sent in questions and thank you to everyone for listening bye for now Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.